It is time to check in with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. Welcome back to the early shift. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a busy weekend, so lots to talk about today. Yeah, it's busy. Uh, we used to, in this business, think of August as the slow season, but I don't know if so there ever is a slow season, <laughs> uh, certainly not in B.C. politics anyway. I, you know, I'm really struck by your news this morning that, Oh, we got ferry cancellations again, and we've got ERs closing, and we've got the uh, union representing the ambulance workers uh, saying, uh, even though the government stepped in on this thing a year ago and supposedly fixed the problem, exactly the same problem persists. Challenges, staffing shortages, challenges of recruitment, and so you're getting both ERs canceled and no ambulances, even where there are ambulances there's no one to staff them so um it has a government government sometimes when it suits it pretends that you can snap your fingers and uh, change the bosses and produce better results but it's clear that these problems are deeper go on longer and are going to take time to solve Right, because you were commenting or making the the comparison that they got rid of the CEO over, CEO at BC Ferries, saying that that was going to make a difference. But like you said, we we didn't see smooth sailing on the ferries this past weekend. No, and I think the thing on the ferries is at the time, uh, you know, uh, following that story carefully over a few years. It's clear that the Premier's office was very unhappy with the CEO of BC Ferries, thought he was too independent, thought he needed to be reined in, so they appointed a former NDP cabinet minister, Joy McPhail, to oversee the ferries in her very first meeting with Mark Collins, and she'd only been in charge for two weeks, she fired him. So clearly she didn't come in and say, we have to smarten up air. It was a political hip job, in my view. Well, when that coverage went out there, and my comments and other people made the same comment, you heard back from NDP supporters, oh, no, no, look at all the terrible service on the ferries and staffing shortages and everything. Well, the shortages continue. And now Ferries is out saying, hey, you have to understand, right? It's hard to recruit staff in this era. You know, there's issues of pay. There's, there's regulatory requirements for ferry staffing that are federal. So it tends to reinforce, in my view, that when it suits the government, they use that as an excuse to fire someone. But it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, I think one of the liberals said it, uh, Kevin Falcon said it, if, if John Horgan thought people should be fired for service interruptions and delays and difficulties, uh, you know, finding family doctors and all that, why didn't he fire somebody in the healthcare sector? Well, the answer is that just firing wouldn't solve the problem, and we've seen that in both cases. Uh, exactly. And we're going to talk more about uh, the ambulance delays and, and shortages coming up on the program. But uh, you've also brought up uh, an interesting uh, campaign proposal. This is a proposal from David Eby and guarantees to be a controversial one. Yeah, you know, Eby is running for the leadership of the NDP and he stepped down as a cabinet minister. And I think his first sort of announcement was don't expect anything radical. Uh, radical departures. He's been part of the government for the last uh, you know, five years. He's been at the cabinet table, so obviously you can't suddenly reverse direction on a whole bunch of things the government's doing. But he also said, hey, you're going to be hearing some new ideas from me. So even though it's, again, slow news month, you're tracking them. EB has generated a fair amount of controversy with his latest one. So he says he's proposing involuntary treatment for repeated overdose cases. 
And I'll give you exactly what he said. He said, when someone overdoses twice a day and they show up in the emergency room for the second time, a second overdose in the same day, the idea that we should release that person back out on the street to overdose a third time and die or have a brain injury or just come back to the ER again seems very bizarre. He said, we need better interventions that could and should include involuntary care for people to make sure they have a chance. So I I think that's the kind of statement I'll say, Jill, that the public is going to go, yes, you're right. Certainly that was the initial public response that I saw to EB's comments, and he made them in an interview with Post Media and other news organizations last week. But, you know, I also see the feedback coming right away from the experts in that sector saying, hey, mandatory treatment, involuntary treatment doesn't work. It's been proven not to work. And so EB has, I'd say, generated a lot of controversy with an idea. Oh, I grant you, Jill, that to the public, it's going to sound like, yeah, (laughs) why has it taken so long to come to this point? Well, and and exactly. And I guess one of the questions, too, is for how long when we're talking yeah. about keeping somebody? So how long are you proposing that they yeah. stay? Is it, is it just a night? You spend one night in a bed and then you're let out yeah. or released the next day? Because, I mean, you don't have to have a medical degree to look at that and think, well, that's probably not going to work either. But he has touched on something. Like you said, people are supporting this. And at least with the idea that something different needs to be done, because clearly what we're doing is not working. Yeah, that's all that's true. Uh, again, you know, I thought one of the best comments on all this actually was on social media, and it was, what would David Eby, the one that, you know, was in Pivot Legal Society and the BC Civil Liberties Association, say about the David Eby that's now saying that involuntary mandatory treatment is the solution? And I, I mean, that gives you an idea of the range of political debate. There is also, Jill, on this one, uh, go back two years. John Horgan is premier. And in the summer of 2020, Horgan proposed Bill 22, and Bill 22 would have allowed for involuntary detention of young overdose victims. If they came in with an overdose, they would be held, and I think the holding period, to answer the question you just asked, the holding period was up to a week. Again, popular announcement by the Premier, Lots of support from parents who feel helpless in these situations. They want their their children and their youngsters and younger people, uh, even young adults, to be detained because they can't get them off drugs. Um, but uh, the Greens refused to vote for that legislation. There was backlash from a whole bunch of experts. Horgan used the Green failure to support that bill. He couldn't get it through the House because he was in a minority, Jill. Used that as an excuse for calling an early election. It was one of the reasons he gave. Uh, you know, he couldn't get support for this bill. He thought it was an important piece of legislation. After the election, however, the, the NDP win a majority. They don't need the green support anymore. They've abandoned the idea as unworkable. So it's clear within the government there is a, a genuine substantive debate over what sounds like a good idea, uh, the legal and obstacles to it. But EB says... You know, there's no constitutional problem with this. It can be done, and if he becomes premier, he's going to do it. Well, he's likely to become premier, so 
I think that's where we're headed. And interesting, like you say, the, the comments being a, a different a, David E.B., certainly a, a different approach given Premier E.B. as opposed to Civil Liberties E.B., but also just looking at the NDP and just, just looking at this as well. I mean, it shouldn't be a political issue as far as this is an idea that either goes ahead because you've got the support of the Greens or not. This should be, shouldn't it, a decision made on is this going to actually save yeah. lives and make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's been a genuine debate around this for a while, and the debate has been, as you suggest, Jill, would it work? Uh, I mean, yes, is it legally, is it constitutional, and all that? But I think we, I think Eby's right on one thing here, which is we've been dealing with this overdose crisis for. Well, the, the crisis itself was declared, what, back in 2016, something like that? Mm-hmm. Liberals were still in power. And the death rate, the daily death rate, has doubled since then. You know, we were, I think it was three people a day dying of overdoses. It's now six. So whatever we've been doing, it hasn't been enough. And I think the public patience has, uh, has run out. So when you get uh, somebody running for the leadership of a government... And he's now no longer in cabinet, so he's not bound to the same degree by the decisions made in the past. Although I think he has to explain himself where he's changed his mind. Uh, you know, you are getting a, a genuine debate and an ID being thrown out there. And I think, as I said, my guess is the public is ahead of the experts on this one. I think EB will get public support for this idea. I just don't know. Um, if he can demonstrate uh, why he thinks it should be done differently and whether or not it will work. We shall see. Certainly an interesting one and has people talking. Vaughn, thank you so much. And Talk to you later this week, Jill. Sounds good. That is Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun with his take on the day's headlines.